Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Cricket Collective via Chalksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fastballer Steve Harmison. While Ollie Pope grabs the championship headlines as Surrey win their first game of the season and in some style, while Warwickshire leave it dramatically late to beat Kent, we'll round up all the action from round two. We'll hear exclusively from Surrey Director of Cricket Alex Stewart, who's been speaking to Chalksport this week. Durham and Australia left-arm spinner Matthew Kuhneman will join us after his five-wicket haul helped uh, Durham pick up their first win of the season. And we'll end the show by speaking with uh, Wisden Almanac editor Lawrence Booth after they released their top five cricketers of the year. So as always, plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Okay, Surrey beat Hampshire by nine wickets to go second in Division 1 behind Warwickshire by three points. Um, as always, I mean, it's so difficult to pick out individuals after four days, but Ollie Pope uh, made that um, almost impossible not to, to pick him out. Muhammad Abbas again in the wickets for Hampshire, but Ollie Pope's 91 and then in the first innings, and then the unbeaten 122 off 102 balls. He's got two and a half thousand runs at the Oval at an average of 94 and a half. It is extraordinary, isn't it? And he was just in the, the most glorious Ollie Pope form. He was, yeah, and it's it's crazy. It's like, can the Ashes start tomorrow? And can we play the first test and all five test matches at the Oval? Because he averages in right, averages ninety, never just under hundred in first class cricket, and it's he is a fantastic player. See why England see him as a future leader. He needs to nail down the international spot at number three, but all he can do is go into a series with as many runs as he possibly can, and and keep Ollie Pope batting at the Oval and keep batting the way he's batting. You know, hopefully that number three spot when it comes to England, he goes into it with unbelievable touch, confidence. Um, because watching some of the shots he played, and there was one shot from around the wicket. It was like it was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. But this is the way the game's going for the better. And for me, it's because it's entertainment. We're in an entertainment business. He just sort of that pick up pull over fine leg. Like it was it was crazy. And when you're watching that and you see it having having a bit of fun and. What it must be now to to have the shackles off in in first class cricket and try and perform the way he, ha- he has done um, is brilliant, and he's showing his class. That's what you want from your international players. You know, we've seen a lot of international players play this week on both sides, from from England and from from Australia, from from other nations. But the ones that you want to score runs are the ones that are in the team or tech wickets that are in the team. 
and there's quite a few. Anderson got a couple of wickets. Broad managed to knock over one of an Australian top order who potentially could play in the Ashes. And and Ollie Pope's you know, 90 and 100. I think that was the ice on the kick. Mate. All right, moving on to uh, Warwickshire beating Kent. Um, very, very tight in the end. Joey Everson, who was, I think, uh, a couple of years ago, touted by Kent as the new Darren Stevens, coming in at number nine, the last man out for, for 99. Uh, we had a couple of glorious celebrations. We'll speak to um, Matt Kuhneman about uh, Durham's celebration when they beat Worcestershire. But how about Hassan Ali? He's taken the last wicket. He's um, got rid of uh, of um, Joey Everson caught behind. And he has celebrated like Imran Tahir. Warwickshire, <laughs> it's celebrating like they just won the championship. I mean, you know, it was tight. We're into the last hour. You know, spent four days striving towards victory but absolutely terrific stuff and I tell you what Hassan Ali is going to become a, a huge hit with uh, the Bears followers at Edgebaston uh, I mean, there's that obviously um, but there's Sam Hayne uh, he made 165 not out we, we, we've spoken about him so often were you ever that player who called whoever it is the managing the, the chief selector or the coach or and actually put yourself out there and said what else do I have to do? Were, were you ever that player? Does, does it happen? And and if there is someone to call, who would Sam Hain call or his agent? I think he, he would have to call Rob Key in this instance because the selection panel, there's no selector. And I think that for me is the right that, the right way. I know there was an interview for it and I went for it. Luke Wright was named as a, a selector, but it's not a selector. It's more of a head scout that it is. The selection panel of the, EC, the, the cricket is working perfectly. I remember saying to Rob Key, you don't need this role. You've got a captain, you've got a coach, you've got a um, managing director in Rob who also has a selector and makes a decision. And then you've got a you know a bank of scouts, you've got a, a wealth of analysts' footage to make sure that you've got the right person playing against the right people. But there's always one anomaly. And during my time, it was it was James Hildreth. It was like, he scored runs again. Even even sitting in a even sitting in a, a Lord's dressing room on a test match, and you put C we we had to put C facts on because that was <laughs> that was just what it was. Yeah, you would you lived through club call, I lived through C fact. You put C facts on, and it was either Rob Key or or Rob Key himself or, or James Hilders hanging out another hundred, and you can see the batters when they turn around and see Keezy got a hundred and Hilders got a hundred going. Oh no, not him again, because they're going to be talking about my place if I don't get any runs in a test match. And Sam Hain seems to be that boy for some reason that England don't want to pick him. And, and I've said this on more than one occasion on this show and on, on sort of county cricket that we do with the Cricketer magazine that how he hasn't gone to Bangladesh, I do not know. England went to Bangladesh with four out now batsmen. They went to Bangladesh letting their players play in PSL franchise tournaments. So they let them go off. Sam Hain was on the Warwickshire preseason tour with a white ball record that he's got. He's scoring bags of first-class runs. That could have been the ideal chance to see what he was like close quarter in an England shirt. Yes, it's not in Red Bull, but you, you get him in the system. And unfortunately, England didn't want to do that. So I'm really surprised. We have been talking about him for two years now. Manners said he's got another 100. How can England not look at him? Well, England can't look at him because they've got a wealth of talent. But they're not looking at him because he seems that he went on the Lions tour to not to get not to be one of the ones that got in consideration over Tom Abel when Tom Abel got injured, I find that very very surprising. So, I think if he wants to phone somebody, I think the big phone call would be to Rob Key and say, "What else have I got to do to have 
a chance of playing for England because I think I'm scoring enough runs against good attacks. And there's players who are who are in, and I would have that conversation. There's players who are in there who probably aren't performing as well as what I am. Why am I not getting? Why am I not getting a mention? So I think he'd be well within his rights. Might not like the answer, but at the end of the day, you get the answer. I've spoke to David Graveney a few times, Jeff Miller, when I wasn't picked, and for my case, sometimes in the wrong way. <laughs> um, once or twice to Michael Vaughan in the wrong way. I think I did it at Peter Moore's once. I definitely did it to Andrew Strauss in Barbados, uh, and Andrew uh, with Andy Flower, and that was in that that was a shocker. That was my fault completely, and I apologised. I think every time since Strauss since. Sam Hain probably didn't have the kudos that I had with the test matches under my belt. But I'm sure a director, of, if he says to his director of cricket, ask them because you t- you speak to selection panel. You, you're in touch with the people at the ECB. Why on earth am I not getting selected? And just one final point there. Zach Crawley dismissed twice in a day by Chris Rushworth. Every time I turn on the Warwickshire feed, I kept looking at and thinking, gee, that looks like Chris Rushworth. Oh, it is Chris Russell. Um, 36 years old, change of scenery all his life at Durham. That's, uh, that's it must, I don't know whether, it, um, maybe it's given him a fresh breath of of life. Yeah, it seems to have. Yeah, he, he, he moved from Durham. I think there was a, he had to move from Durham. I think he went down to Warwickshire and decided that he was going to have another crack at being the best he possibly can be. And his work ethic's fantastic, is rushy. And you give him something to work with. And he will exploit. He will. He probably was just short on pace to be re- recognised at top international level. But if you give him anything in the surface or anything in the air, then he will question a technique. And one thing he will do is, if you're not, your technique's not up to scratch, then like Jimmy Anderson uh, and many others who are who are brilliant in first-class cricket, at moving the board in and around off stump, if you're not, the old technique's not there then you'll get exposed. And we've probably been saying now for 12 months that Zach Crowley's technique is not the greatest. He's a big, strong boy who hits the ball well down the ground, and when he's on, he looks absolutely fantastic. But over the course of the last 12 months, it's been talked about time after time after time that his technical deficiency in and around the off stump is there for everybody to see. And the one person he probably didn't want to see this week, he'd have took on Hassan Ali, not a problem. He would have took on Potts, Cars. He would have took on any of the sort of big boys, the quick boys. There's probably two people in first-class cricket Zach Crowley doesn't want to play against at this minute in time. One's Jimmy Anderson and the other one's Chris Rusworth. And Rushy's knocked him over twice in a day. And to be honest, Manners, I wasn't exactly surprised. Okay, well, let's move on to a fantastic bounce-back victory for Nottinghamshire after uh, being well beaten in the first round. Um, uh, Stuart Broad looks to me like a 36-year-old easing himself into the county season, knowing exactly what he needs to do. He wasn't at top pace. He was just, it was all about rhythm. And, um, you know, there were wickets falling at the other end. He wasn't bothered. You know, he said for years now, I know what I need to do to get ready for the test season. And that's just exactly what it looked like. But he did happen to clean bowl Cameron Bancroft during his warm-up. He did, and again, another one, Brody, along with Jimmy, that know what it takes to get the first week in June. They'll have games off, they'll play games at home, they'll play games when they feel as though their body needs them to play, they get themselves in a position to ease into 
the middle of May, and then I think you'll see a drop off, and they'll get themselves everything ready, recovery towards hitting the, the the sort of six test matches in seven weeks. But again, you look at it, great players like that. We don't they don't go through the motions. They don't go through the motions. They just do the right things, the right times, stay in the game and keep relevant. Not to sort of put a negative spin on their team, make sure. And then when somebody decent comes out or the overseas comes out, then the stand up. You know, Stuart Broad turns into test match bowler when Cameron Bancroft's at the crease. And then Stuart Broad just makes sure that his legs are in the right place, his body's going towards the target, his left arm is as high as it possibly can. Everything's going, the wheels are getting on, ready for next week, week after, has a week off, then he has another game. But then when Bancroft comes out, it's like, I might see you in, I might see you in about six or eight weeks' time at Edgebaston or at Lords or at Headingley, and you're going to have an Australian badge on your shirt. I'm going to have an England one on. I'm just going to knock you over just to make sure that you know I'm around. And it was a beauty, an absolute beauty. Top of off stop, just sort of nipped away, turned Bancroft round and typical Stuart Broad. It is. And if if, if Rushworth was always going to get uh, Zach Crawley out and tech, from a technical point of view and he was going to expose that, then Broad was always going to knock Bancroft over because that's what great players do. They, they stand up when the best player in the opposition walks out to the middle. Oh, that's exactly what I meant when I said that wickets were falling at the other end. You just got the impression that uh, that Broad was in fourth gear and uh, at most, um, but but ready to, <laughs> to move yeah. to fifth or sixth if Nottinghamshire weren't winning the game. Lewis Gregory, 11 wicket haul for him, but uh, Somerset's batting looked a bit light again. Yeah, it, looked, it did look light. And Gregory bowled beautifully, I thought. He, control of the ball was fantastic in and around off stop. It was, was beautiful. I know he was out... You know, there were some favourable conditions for, for the bowler, but, but Lewis Gregory bowled, bowled nicely. And another one was international, probably international aspirations in in white ball cricket especially, but he does brilliantly for, for Somerset as, a, as that all-rounder. And I'm not saying he's he's going to replace Ben Stokes, but if something happens to Ben Stokes, you know, we, there's a lot, we're a long way from that test match. There's a lot of cricket being played by Ben Stokes and seen the knee. Then, if England do need a bowler who can bat at number seven, number eight, because England's, we haven't got an all rounder that can replace Ben Stokes. It's not even not even worth having that conversation. You might have to balance the team out a little bit different. Gregory getting eleven wickets in a match, and he can bat as well. So, from from that point of view, I'm sure he'll be he would have to come into a conversation when or if something happened to the England captain. But you're right, someone said batting looks as though it's a bit light, especially against the top quality attack. Notts were found wanting last week on their batting. The one thing that I think propelled Notts into the first division was their bowling attack last year, and they did not disappoint against Somerset. I like that. Harmison touts Gregory as Stokes' replacement. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't. I could see that headline. I've got, <laughs> that spells me about straight away. <laughs> You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Chalksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Well, Middlesex rock bottom, having got to uh, Division 1, been promoted uh, last season. Uh, they've been well beaten twice now in the opening two rounds, this time by North Ants, by Northamptonshire. Toby Roland jones ridiculous record continues. Uh, match figures are 5 for 79. He's uh, averaging well under 20 since the beginning of last season. But um, uh, North Ants uh, were, were pretty much all over them, and Middlesex have got to have a look in the second 11. They've got to do something because they've been well below par and first two games. 
Yeah, well below par in the top top five as well. Really, really poor top five. And when you look at the top five, you go, there's international players in there. You know, somebody I'm very close to, Rocky, Mark, Stoneman, Robson. Talk of Robson coming back at the end of last season, being a, a contender from, from England. So I don't think it's a, it's a lack of talent. They've just been unlucky and got on a, on the end of a, a decent bowling spell at the stop, start of the innings, but... This game especially, there was only one winner, and that was that was Northampton. And if, if Middlesex don't get their top order firing and right, leaving it all to Simpson and, and Higgins, I think, pulled them out of it again a couple of times, then I think it could be a, a, a long, long summer for, for Middlesex. And if they haven't had the, the fact that they've got the likes of Roland Jones and one or two other bowlers who are bowling well at the minute, they could have been beaten a lot heavier as well. So I'm pleased for Northampton. Again, you've... You, you, your terminology of them is brilliant. I'm not even going to try and pull it off. The other one, unlo- unwanted and loved. Um, and another one who was a little bit unwanted and loved. And I recognized the name when I sat there. And it was like, Sam Whiteman, where do we know that name from? And then realized a few years ago, he was touted as a young successor to Brad Haddon. He's come over on a born in Doncaster, English passport. And he, he got a few runs in a in a low scoring game when he gets 60. So, you know, fair play to him on that from but. Middlesex have got they've got the bone attack and they've got the names on the team sheet from a batting point of view. Unfortunately, they're just not firing. Yeah, it's my um, mission before next week to find out uh, what happened to Sam, Sam Whiteman. Um, like you said, um, seven or eight years ago, he was um, a, an absolute shoe in. People were saying it's just a matter of uh, time before he made his white ball debut for Australia, but uh, he's 31 now. So uh, let's see, maybe we can get him on the show. Okay, Essex drew with Lancashire. This was all about Jimmy against the knight, um, the chef, the big chef. So Jimmy against uh, Sir Alistair Cook, and he got him twice. Although I thought he was a bit unlucky in the first one. Yeah, I thought the first one, I thought the first one, I think the umpire has given the bowler the decision because it's Jimmy Anderson and not looked up and realised, oh, no, it's Alistair, Sir Alistair Cook. I, I, I must admit, as a few times I've played against my best mates, Freddie and, and, uh, and Keezy, and a couple of times I did get them out, and I was I was one occasion that Lancashire I got Fred out. It was they wouldn't hit another set, kind of them going over the top, and in in the umpire I think the umpire at the time it was leading into the 2005 Ashes. Um, after I gave him a bit of stick because not giving him out before, um, he gave me the decision because of the bowler who he was. I think that first one was given because it was James Anderson. I don't think the real umpire realised until his finger was out of his pocket that it was. England's all-time great batsman at the other end in Sir Alistair Cook. But it was fantastic to see them both playing together again on the field, even though it was against each other. I still think there's a huge amount of cricket left in Sir Alistair. Jimmy's looks as though he's warming up just nicely. A bit like we talked about Stewart. He's not short of a gallop, but he just puts it there or thereabouts when he really needs to. Playing against one of the greats of all time in Sir Alistair Cook. And then he was he bowled beautifully to you know, the, the, the top order of, of Essex. And I have to say, there's a couple of other standouts for me in that game. Well, Sam Cook, again, his record is unbelievable. And I just wonder, I wonder, I'd love to know whether Sam had a conversation with Jimmy Anderson about bowling because there is talk about when Jimmy does pack in, who opens the bowling? Well, the numbers that Sam Cook's got at this minute in time, you have to be a real contender towards the England selection panel to say, I've done the hard yards, I've worked the apprenticeship. If there's a spot there, I would, wouldn't mind a go, but we might be talking that in 10 years' time. Jimmy might still be playing, so God knows. Another one I enjoyed watching this week, Manners, was George Bell, you know, the wicketkeeper. 
he batted beautifully. Some of his shots down the ground were fantastic. Only 20-year-old. I seen him last year and thought, boy, this kid's got talent when he played on TV. It was a TV game last year. And he looked as though he was about 12, not 19. He's gone to 20-year-old now. He's matured a little bit, but he's still playing some unbelievable cricket shots. A couple of 50s in the game really helped sort of Lancashire propel themselves into trying to force a victory. But you know, I think the weather beat both sides this week. They've got a draw. Time now to hear from Surrey Director of Cricket, Alex Stewart. The full interview is available now on the following on podcast feed. Here he's in conversation with Talk Sports' Scott Taylor, our very own producer. I think, um, and I hope I'm right in saying, anyone who plays professional sport or has an ambition to, to have any job, they won't have grown up thinking, I want to have millions and millions of pounds. I th- I'd hope that they're growing up thinking, I want to play football for Chelsea, I want to play yeah. football for England, I want to play cricket for Surrey, I want to play cricket for England, whatever it may be. That's what you think of as a youngster. Mm. And then when it comes to the opportunity when you can actually do that, take it with both hands, please do. And then the rewards come along. But if you get it round the wrong way, then this franchise cricket, as brilliant as it is and you can earn money, is very short. can be very short-term. They're not getting two, three, four-year contracts, which no. they do at county level. Yeah. You have one bad franchise tournament, you can be kicked out and then where do you go? Yeah. So that's why I say don't, don't disrespect county cricket thinking that franchise cricket is the answer. Be a part of it, but make sure that your county and your country is still vitally important. How difficult is it, or you might have seen it become more difficult over the years, about the rise of franchise cricket from a Surrey point of view in terms of looking after players, managing players, because they might not have been representing Surrey when they're playing, say, PSL, but player welfare is more important than ever nowadays. It's very tough and it's getting harder, harder and harder, because, and quite rightly, players want to play. Do they want to be in the indoor centre all winter? training hard in a gym, working on the skills indoors. They want to be playing in front of full houses in other parts of the world, earning nice money. Of course, that's what they want to do, and we won't deprive them of that. But I think we'll see contracts change. You know, so I spoke about one, two, three. Some might get a four-year contract with their county if they play all formats. If you're just going to be a, let's call it a T20 player, because if you're a good T20 player, you'll then be contracted to the 100. Well, if you're only going to be available to your county for what the T20 blast last what six weeks does that player need to be on a 12 month or multi-year contract yeah. that, that's the questioning still earn the money and the right level of money in that six week period but should the county be responsible for that player outside of that six week period perhaps a two weeks leading into the blast yeah. and the rest of the time they're inverted commas a freelance cricketer where They'll go off and play for Mumbai Indians, Registan Royals, you know, Big Bash, whatever it may be. Because currently how it works, they're under contract to us. They go away. They'll come back. They'll want to have coaches' time, man hours in the indoor centre, have sidearm, have bowling machine, have the expert coaches telling them what to do or advising them what to do just to get ready to go off to play in another franchise competition. Oh, and by the way, I've got a little injury, so I'll be treated by the Surrey physio, the Surrey doc, the Surrey medical staff will rehab them as well to get them fit to go and play another franchise tournament. Oh, by the way, you're not fit for the T20 blast, but we've looked after you for the rest of the year. So, and I'm looking ahead there in the crystal ball. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if contracts change in the coming years. We've already seen it with England talking about 
what well, we saw three or four, four or five players playing a PSL mm-hmm. instead of playing for England in Bangladesh, I think it yeah. was. From a financial point of view, you know, that's their decision and they're not potentially first pick players for England. So they took made a financial decision, which that's their decision, so we can live with that. Um, so England need to look at how they contract their players, how they pay their players, and then there'll be a knock-on effect of how counties contract their players when they pay their players and who looks after those players when they're on, not on duty with that county. Because, you know, if they play for Sydney Sixers, just to name a team as an yeah. example, if the player gets injured playing for them, Sydney Sixers don't put them back together again. No. They come back to their county. Yeah. yeah. You know, is, is that right? Yeah. So I'll leave that for your <laughs> listeners to uh, perhaps consider. I was sorry, Director of Cricket, Alex Jewett, in conversation with uh, TalkSport Scott Taylor. And you can hear the full interview now available on the following on podcast feed. He spoke brilliantly. It's, it's half an hour long. He spoke on a whole variety of uh, subjects. And um, the gaffer, although he doesn't like to be called that, uh, doesn't normally get, uh, well, very rarely gets uh, heated or animated about anything. But um, I particularly enjoyed um, his uh, views on contracting, Harmy, and um, the, the fact that, uh, that some counties, including his own, may be already in a situation or may in future be in a situation where they've got guys on 12-month contracts who they only see for six weeks a year. Unbelievable. Well, it was a great interview, first and foremost, and we thank Stewie for that. In 25 years, I've known Alex Stewart. That's the first time I've seen him lay his guard down. It was brilliant. He talked about contracts. It was, and he's so spot on. Yeah, he's so spot. He always is. You know, he knows what he's saying and how he says it and how he comes across. Very, very, very good man of cricket. A really great man of talking the game, ambassador for the game. But when he talked about the contracts there, I think he just let his, from a personal feeling point of view, that everybody else from a director of cricket is thinking around the country. Um, and he's absolutely spot on. You want to go and play these franchise tournaments, that's fine, not a problem. But you've got to be careful on where your bread's buttered. And yeah, you are one You are one poor franchise tournament away from being back, up in hand to the people who love you the most. And that, for me, is needs to be rammed home by the Professional Cricketers Association in such a, a huge way that you tell your 450 professional cricketers that You've got have so much respect for the people who have given you the chance to play this great game, which is the county. Your county has given you the best chance. You've to fulfil your talent. You go off and you fulfil your talent as much as you possibly can. Make as much money as you possibly you can possibly get. But if it doesn't work, just remember, respect the county that's given you that chance. Because I can guarantee once the Mumbai Indians don't want you, once the franchise in South Africa doesn't want you. Once, you know, Rao Pindi doesn't want you. Surrey will always be there. Durham will always be there. You'll always have a, a welcome place back at your home. So I think that was what Alec was trying to say as well. There is a balance to be struck, isn't there? I mean, if a, if a 23, 24-year-old, 26-year-old goes and plays a, a season or two in the IPL and comes back to his county, he will be a better player and he will pass on that knowledge to his teammates um, on the county circuit. But you can't be going off and, and playing three or four franchise tournaments around the world and coming back and expecting your county to still look after you and nurture you and uh, use their physiotherapists and their nets um, um, in order for you to become a wealthy individual freelance cricketer. 100%. 100%. And I think that is the fine balance that, again, is bigger than Alex Stewart, bigger than Darren Goff at Yorkshire, bigger than Marcus North. 
for me, it's about the Professional Cricketers Association at the top sending the right message. Make sure that the game has been respected in every quarter. And that has to be, you know, you, you go off and earn as much money as you can. We've got no problem with that. Counties have got no problem with that because counties will get the benefit of it by your performance, by the way you come back, like you said. But we'll also be there if it doesn't go well, if things don't go according to plan and you don't perform as well as you'd like for one of these franchises, you know, the love will still be there in English cricket for you because that's where you've come from. And I think that sometimes gets missed when heads get turned of young cricketers. And I think that is something that is bigger, than, like I said before, than directors of cricket, county chairmen. I think that's more for the governing body of the game, which, which from a player's point of view, should come from the, P- the PCA. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner, Steve Harmison. Uh, next up, we'll move our attention to Division 2, and we'll be joined by Durham and Australia bowler Matt Kuhneman after his Pfeiffer helped them get their first win of the season in dramatic fashion. Yeah, hold that, please. Level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Mathorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any other show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm delighted to say now that we're joined by Durham and Australian left-arm spinner Matt Kuhneman, who took the final wicket to seal Durham's victory by 121 runs um, against uh, Worcestershire. And I have to say, Matt, that my first impressions watching it on the live stream were that you boys have been together for for two years, not not two weeks. The celebrations were fantastic. I mean, I suppose you've got 22 men striving for a purpose after four days, but um, boy, oh boy, that was a terrific celebration and a hard-earned victory. Well done. No, it was awesome. That was that's probably one of the better first-class wins I've been a part of. So, um, yeah, I think just to have the game sort of panned out, sort of the emotion, the last, and the emotion going through the last day and the last week, the boys were so pumped and the first thing I've sort of learned being at Durham is how passionate they are of um, the Northeast. So, um, no, it was, it's been awesome so far. Matt, you're on a trend going down to London, so you're going to see parts of the country in the Northeast that you see with close ties. I was going to say how you settle them in, but I think with the victory like that, the way you celebrate, you settle in a hell of a lot quicker when 
you win, you get a celebration. Uh, how has is, how is been the settlement period and how the thing is going? Because the only spinners go well in Durham, <laughs> trust me, in April. Yeah, I was, like day two of that game, it was, it was freezing. And we were fortunate enough that we were actually batting. And I was just thinking, geez, if I'm out there bowling today, I'm not sure how I'm gripping this ball, but um, no, we got a, I'm, I've got a lifetime worth of um, hand warmers in my kit bag. You're sitting on a train going down to London. You've got time to reflect, and you haven't had much time to reflect from the last, uh, I don't know, three or four months. I mean, there you were playing a Shield game. Five days later, you're making your test debut in Delhi. Now, your colleague, your teammate, Todd Murphy, pulled out of his uh, Durham contract, and, and now you're playing county cricket. I mean, whirlwind doesn't do it justice, does it, in the last couple of months? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I think probably not just the last couple of months, probably the last 12 months, um, everything sort of happened since my, like, ODI debut then into the, my test of blue. So it's been awesome. Um, it's probably one thing I've learned or taken away is just got to be ready for whatever. So no, I'm, I'm, I love the journey I'm on right now. I've just been able to, to meet new people and play with some world-class and against some world-class players has been, has been probably the highlight. And you made your, you say you made your test area, but the Ashes coming up, we can't get away from England, Australia, not in this country. It's a huge, huge series. What did you learn from obviously time in India playing international cricket and what do you gonna what do you feel as though you need to get in a position to Durham to get in a position to say right I need to be picked in the Asher squad I think it's just playing just first class cricket um, in England and just getting used to the conditions and just learning new things like I took so much um, away from the Indian series and, and that's just from watching the Indian bowlers go and just, just rubbing shoulders with uh, Nathan Lyon for a couple of months over there was, was awesome so no, I've learned heaps and a couple of new like new balls like seam positions and stuff I learned from India have been pretty good over here, especially on the uh, day four wickets. So yeah, and even like probably surprised how soft the Duke actually gets towards the end. So being able to like sort of change my seam angles and, and use my crease a bit more to try and get the most out of the ball. So no, yeah, and I've just learning heaps and, and just as long as I can contribute to winning games at Durham, uh, I'm happy. Matt, I've got this personal bugbear about professional sportsmen, especially when they're, you know, 26 years old, being described as an overnight sensation and people saying like, gee, where did he spring from? Um, <laughs> and normally there's been many, many years of hard work that have gone into reaching the level you have. Give us a sense of your journey. Um, yeah, so I grew up on the Gold Coast in the back home in Australia and Queensland and just sort of just bold spin in like when I was younger and Sort of um, just been with Queensland ever since, playing underage stuff. And then I was sort of um, behind a couple of bowlers for, for a while at Queensland, sort of learning my trade and learn my way in great career there. So sometimes it's pretty tough um, playing Australia as a spinner. So just, and then I sort of um, got real close with a few guys in Queensland, especially Marnus, and, and just try to bowl to as, as much as I could to Marnus. And sort of, he's given me a lot of tips the last couple of years and just, just sort of, yeah, just I love training and just got sort of better there and sort of COVID sort of helped me really get um, my debut for Queensland and play a handful of games there and go well. And, um, and yeah, just, and I'm, I'm sort of lucky of being, um, I've obviously always been quite just our um, captain back home. So Queensland, so he's great. And then obviously you have Marana's change of this and then some of the players with a lot of experience. Um, yeah, it's, that's sort of helped me heaps. Tell us about your call-up, Matt. You know, as I said, you were playing in a Shield game. Did you, um, <laughs> you must have wondered whether it was a wind-up, having not made the initial spot. Oh, uh, yeah, it was not where first, I was on 
sort of standby, so I had to get my visa um, sorted. So I always thought, like, if I'm if there's an injury, I'm probably an injury away or something like that. So, so but then, yeah, I was I had no idea I was going to go over then, and let alone play, go over and play the first game I was available for. So I um, no, sort of was playing a shield game in day two. George Bailey just gave me a buzz and was like, and uh, mate, um, we're going to try and get on a plane as soon as the game finishes from Melbourne to India. And um, and I was like, and I was sort of lucky enough that I had, a, I had enough clothes and my passport and my bag ready to go. So, yeah, it was sort of whirlwind. And we sort of have a rule in Queensland, you're not allowed to be on your phones during the game. And I sort of broke that rule because I, I just had to sort of tell my family and friends all day. And um, it was sort of hard to concentrate on that, that game of Queensland because I was just, Sort of thinking, geez, in two days' time, I'll be in, I'll be in Delhi. And uh, what about your? Obviously, your, your stint with with Durham, yeah, you know, got off to a, a fantastic start. You got a lot, of, a lot of mates over here as well. There's a lot of Australians coming over to play free Ashes. Um, how good's that going to be? Playing against them, um, you know them well, um, as well as your ambitions to get through the first part of the season because it's not always. And I know I haven't played for Durham for twenty years. Not always the best place to bowl spin. June, July, August, maybe you you start feeling your fingers, but I think when when you start, when you you're looking at it in, in April and May, yeah, you know, you've got off to a fantastic start with the five in the first game. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of Aussies over here, and uh, and not just playing Canada, there's a lot of guys playing league as well. So obviously, coming come up against um, Michael Nesser and Marnus, uh, next game in Glamorgan down there, so. Like for us, it's it's really good. We get the experience and the warm up of all of these series, but I, there's nothing more I sort of wanted to get Marcus out. So I, yeah. I sent him a message last night saying, "Geez, I hope I get you out." But um, but he's a he's best batter in the world at the moment. So um, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Which of your Durham teammates have um, have impressed you, Matt? Um, what's it like playing with Alex Lees? Yeah, Lees is a great bloke. Um, he's obviously experienced and. I don't like bowling to him with the nets. I've, I've sort of bowled him a couple of times and he, he sort of smacks me around. But um, he's awesome. Obviously, Scotty, the, the skipper, he's, he's great. Matty Potts, he's, he's awesome. He's a very talented bowler and just he's just very competitive, which is, well, love, well yeah, love to see from a guy on my team. But uh, no, he's, a, he's going to be a world-class bowler for England. Just finally from me, uh, you mentioned Scotty. As long as you don't take his football team, I think you'd be all right. Has anybody mentioned the rivalry between Newcastle and Sunderland? There's quite a few Sunderland supporters in there now, so yeah. we'll have to rescue you and take you to St. James's Park and over the next two Sunders when we've got home games. But please don't take Scott Borthwick's advice and go to a Sunderland match because they're not very good. <laughs> I keep hearing that Sunderland versus, versus Newcastle, so no, I, sort of, um, I really like Newcastle as a city, so that, that, sort of could, that could be my team there. I'm yet, I'm yet to get yet to go to Sunderland, so I'm on the fence at the moment. Just um, remind Durham supporters who are hoping to see more of you now, now that you're a proven match winner for them, uh, just uh, how many more games you play and what's the rest of your contract look like? So I think I'm here for the first the first bid, and then um, hopefully I'm here for the whole season. Um, obviously, Todd Murphy, he'll, um, he'll, he'll come here as well, and we'll sort of um, hopefully share, share the workload there. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm sort of... Hoping, um, still taking it game by game, and uh, obviously it, it um, Ash's selections and with Todd around and all that type of stuff. So we don't really know yet, but but yeah, I think it's it's exciting that myself and Todd have an opportunity to play for Durham because Todd's a is is a great bowler as well. So it's, no, we're both both like looking forward to it and, and really 
present opportunity we have. Matt Kinnaman, congratulations again. Terrific game. Um, well bowled and many, many thanks for your time. Hopefully we'll get you on later in the summer. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Matthew Kuhneman, Australia and Durham left arm spinner. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Durham Hall of Famer Steve Harmison. And a reminder that more live cricket returns to TalkSport 2 starting this week as we'll bring you ball-by-ball commentary of the IPL every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. Download the free TalkSport app and swipe left to listen to our coverage. Now, as promised, it's time for our annual chat. Sometimes we speak to him more than once a year to the Wisden Almanac uh, editor, Lawrence Booth, who um, has just uh, recently released uh, the year's top five cricketers. We'll talk to him about that and uh, plenty of other stuff as well. Tom Blundell, Ben Folks, Harman Cord, Daryl Mitchell and Matthew Potts are the Wisden's top five cricketers of 2022. Lawrence, thank you so much for your time. Great to have you once again. Talk us through your selections. Not so controversial this year, I think. Hi, man. It's good to be here. Um... Yeah, well, it was a funny one, actually, because it, so we've got two New Zealanders in there. New Zealand lost 3-0, and we don't usually have two players from the, the visiting team that lost 3-0. But let's face it, Blundell and, and Mitchell were, were outstanding, weren't they? I mean, Blundell scored, I think, 370-odd runs at 76, and Mitchell did something that only Don Bradman has ever done in England before among visiting batsmen, which is 100 in each of the first three tests of a, a series in England. And only Graham Gooch has scored more runs in a three-test series in England before than, than Mitchell. So actually, those two are both gimmies, despite the fact that New Zealand came, you know, were on the wrong end of the, the 3-0 basball victory because England were chasing like lunatics, weren't they? And they were, they were knocking off everything, but it wasn't wasn't the fault of those two guys. Um, ben Folkes kind of always jokes about not being a basball player, but actually he, he played two crucial innings last summer. The first was at Lord's when England were 120 short of chasing 270 against New Zealand the first test of that summer, and he came in at seven and calmly guided them over the line, and that really set the tone for the rest of the summer. And then, then at Old Trafford against South Africa, England were 1-0 down, the only test they lost all summer, and he scores 100 with um, with Stokes at the other end, and that England square the series. And then, and then, of course, his runs for Surrey, because don't forget that the, the Wisden Award is relating to the whole English summer. He averaged 70-plus for Surrey, and they they won the county championship. Harman Preet Corps, Easy to overlook sometimes, but India's women hadn't won a one-day series in England since 1999, and she captured them to a 3-0 win, which was which was quite a, an achievement, really. And she, she scored 143 not out off about 111 balls in one of the games at Canterbury. Should have won the Commonwealth Games gold, really. She got out at a crucial moment, and the Aussies pipped her to it. But she had a she had a hell of a summer for for India. And then Potts, you know, I'm sure Harmi will be pleased about this one, but the the, the Durham lad... He makes his test debut. He takes four for 13 against New Zealand. He gets Kane Williamson out twice cheaply. Gets him again. Gets Virat Kohli at Edgbaston. Uh, probably a bit unlucky, actually, that when Ollie Robinson came back, Potts was the guy who made way. But he ended up with 20 wickets in five tests. And he ended up with 78 first-class wickets, more than anyone in the summer. And, a, and an amazing six hauls of six wickets or more. You know, that that's he wasn't just getting fivers. He was blowing teams away on a regular basis. I'll throw one last stat at you. That is the most hauls of six or more in an English summer by an England qualified seamer since Steve Watkin in 1989. So he, you know, he he tore through a lot of teams' pots, and I think he was unlucky not to go to Pakistan. But he'll be he'll be in the mix this summer, that's for sure. So those are the five. Yeah, fantastic. But I'm really pleased for for Matty Potts. And just let just clarify that you know for anybody that's just listening, listening, it is what's happened throughout the summer, you know, the, the English summer, as well as you can only be 
picked as the one of the five once. That's, yeah, that's, I know, that's exactly. I, know we're on radio, I know we're on radio, so it's stupid of me to say, but I've got mine. I've got my leather one right behind me. 2005, that's it. It's always pride of place because it is. It's it's the Bible for any sort of cricket fan, even cricketer. Like, if you get nominated, would even be selected as one of the cricket five cricketers in a year. It's a, it's a phenomenal achievement. And yeah, just for people who are, you know, who don't know this, it, it is about you can only get it once. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it drives people a bit mad each year when we name the five on Twitter and there's a why no Virat Kohli and, or, you know, why no Sachin Tendulkar? He retired 30 years ago, you know. It's, but yeah, you can only get it once. The emphasis is on the English summer. So people say, well, it's a bit Anglo centric, but those, those are the rules. It's beginning since 1889. So, you know, there's a bit of tradition behind it. And you got it. In fact, you're in the 05 wisdom for what you did in 04. Ooh, you know, when yeah. people think 05, oh, yeah, that was the Ashes summer. No, it was for what you did in 2004 when you were, Manners mentioned you were the you know, number one in the world. And and actually, weirdly, it didn't include your seven foot whatever it was at Jamaica <laughs> because that was not the English summer, but actually... 12. September 12, <laughs> yeah. But you had a you had a you had a good English you had a good summer anyway. Mm. But you, you got the award, and as you say, it, it's lovely to see your leather bound wisdom there in, in the background because it's a nice thing. Matthew Potts all getting his at Lords, you know, for, at the dinner. It's it, it's something nice that players can have on their mantelpiece for the rest of their careers. People talk a lot, Lawrence, about you know the fact that it's been going since eighteen eighty nine. Um, that uh, tends to lead to a, a sense that it hasn't evolved much and innovated, but that's just not the case at all. I mean, there are even pictures on the front cover now. Look, the, one of my favourite innovations is um, the leading cricketer of the year, and that's one way to recognise um, players who have already been a cricketer of the year, and I think that's a, that's a tremendous um, addition. And Ben Stokes has just won it for the third time in the last four years. Yeah, that's right. Again, I hope people don't accuse us of being sort of too Anglo-centric, but I mean, you know, it was hard to look beyond him really, wasn't it? It wasn't just... Look, he had a decent year with, with the bat and ball, per- perfectly good, but he, he didn't win it for that. I, I know he played the match-winning innings in the T20 World Cup final as well, but he got it because he led a test revolution. I mean, let's face it, what happened with that England test team, what is still happening, has really given everyone, hopefully in world cricket, a bit of a lift and has made everyone look at the way they play the game. Basball, they've been calling it. I know that irritates the hell out of Brendan McCullough. <laughs> And the England players, but it's it's a, it's a handy shorthand, isn't it? Everyone, everyone understand what it means, and the fact that people are using a phrase to talk about a form of Test cricket is good for Test cricket. It needs to be part of the conversation, and it's added extra spice to the Ashes this summer. I mean, that's going to be a sensational series, uh, you know. In theory, five Tests because the Aussies will be going at it hammer, hammer and tongs. They haven't won in England since two thousand and one. Uh, England want those Ashes back, and, and Stokes isn't going to take a backward step. So. What they've done, what Stokes has done, I think really deserved uh, deserving that award. And Johnny gets the performance of the year, Johnny Bester. That's right. So we've got a new, another new award called the Wisdom Trophy. Um, you'll remember Harmy used to play for the Wisdom Trophy, England beat West Indies. Anyway, that got replaced by the Richards Botham Trophy. So we thought, what can we do? We don't want to just lose the Wisdom Trophy and allow it to gather dust. We decided to, because Test Cricket's struggling a bit at the moment with all these T20 franchise tournaments, we thought we'd try and give Test Cricket a bit of a lift and award it to the best individual performance by a man or a woman in Test Cricket in the calendar year. Johnny Besto gets it for the twin hundreds against India at Edgbaston. When England knocked off 378, you know, with seven wickets in hand, could probably have chased 500 that day. So he's a, he's a worthy first winner. 
Lawrence, I know this is a subject that we can spend a whole program on, and we might get you on for a whole program, actually, uh, to talk about it. But in your editor's notes, you do talk about T20 cricket costing the game its diversity and identity, and you just mentioned there proliferation of uh, of franchise franchise cricket around the world. Can you summarise us your, for us your thoughts? Yeah, I think in January this year, the, the game it was it was clear that we were at a crossroads, mainly because there were I think five different T20 franchise competitions around the world. Some of them overlapping with each other, some of them claiming that they were going to have the same players playing for them. Moeen Ali was one of the guys who was going to be both playing in South Africa and the UAE at the same time, which you know was taking was taking things a bit far. And <laughs> um, the, the diversity and inclusion bit, I mean, for me, Test cricket's been fascinating because it says so much about a country's history. Countries have a certain style of playing. Conditions are different. You go around the world, you expect to face spin in India, bouncy tracks in Australia, seam and swing in England or New Zealand, whatever. You name it, there are different conditions. Now, T20, one of my grumbles about it is it's all the same. Batters are trying to hit sixes, essentially, and that is that is the game. And the guy who muscles the most that day is is the winner. You know, that might be some leg spinners who benefited from people hitting up in the air a lot. And there, I'm no doubt that the skills have been sharpened. There's no doubt about that fielding innovation, slower balls, scoops, ramps, all those things have come into play, and that is good for cricket. But I've essentially argued that we need more of a balance. We're going to lose Test cricket if we continue like this. It'll only be the Ashes and possibly India as well. Is that what cricket wants? No. Is it really? I'm not, I'm not sure it is, and I don't think I'm an old dinosaur for saying it. So my plea is for some kind of moderation. I mean, I, look, it's idealistic, isn't it, man? It's, I mean, I'm, I'm arguing here with, with uh, private money in India it's an argument that has already been lost, let's face it. But we have to keep, at Wisdom, we think we have to keep banging that drum because not many other people are. And um, I'm not sure how many people would keep buying the Almanac if it was just about the you know, the Saudi Arabian T20 bash or whatever. <laughs> um, I think it's, these are worrying times for, for, for world cricket. And I, and I don't apologise for saying that. I'm 100% with you on that because that'd be classed as an old dinosaur many times on this show. Lawrence, because I... Love county cricket. I love first class cricket, and I think the one thing that I forget about is little Johnny that comes along as a, an eleven, twelve year old goes to watch his local cricket club side, plays for his local cricket club side. More often than not, ends up playing first class cricket before he plays any other format of the game, and that or tries to play it. And that for me is something I think gets left behind. Um, something else that gets left behind is sometimes batsmen come out their crease, batters come out their crease a little bit sooner than they should do um, and you've got an opinion on that haven't you I just get so bored about the whole everyone restates their position on I won't call it the man cad because if you do you get you annoy a lot of people so I'll call it the run out the non-strikers end which is much less snappy but nevertheless people get so angry about it and my, my suggestion look, I, I agree with people who are saying batter shouldn't leave their crease so <laughs> the suggestion is that the umpire calls one short that run doesn't count because one of my one of my issues with that style of dismissal is that it deprives the spectator of the essence of cricket, which is the batter v the bowler. Everyone wants to see how the batter is going to respond to what the bowler is throwing down. That 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 is cricket, right? Now, if the if the if the non strikers end is being run out by the bowler, you you lose that essential drama. So this will keep batters in their crease. So, you know, enough of them get runs chalked off. It'll keep them in their crease. We get the drama of the batter v bowler. And we don't get everyone so angry the whole time on social media. It's a culture clash as much as anything, isn't it? You know, it's a sort of the old school English, maybe a bit of Australian mentality. 
against the, the sort of the I suppose the Asian position, which is very much that all it's in the laws and uh, it's fair game, and I, I I respect that. But what I'm saying is let's let's maintain the essential drama of Batterby Bowler and allow the umpires to make the call. On that subject, Lawrence, I know that you care deeply about uh, every level of the game, um, and that's what's so important about the Almanac is that it does report not just on the highest um, echelons of, of international cricket. And runs, as you said, run outs at the non-strikers end, runs, that's a bit snappier, can be dealt with if there are televisions, um, te- television cameras and replays and um, and, and, and directors and, and umpires have recourse to that. It, it can be dealt with. It, m- it might take longer to remove the kind of venomous um, attitudes towards it. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you know, it, it is pretty straightforward. And um, Harmy's on the other side, by the way. He thinks they should never happen. Um, but the concern, and I think it's a legitimate one, is that it starts to happen at club cricket level, school level. Yeah, well, it, it has done. I mean, every you, you know, probably once a week you see a video from somewhere around the world where there's there's serious anger. The bat, the batter walks off, chucks his bat in the air. You can tell that the the, the atmosphere from the whole game is, is deflated. I mean, Mark Butcher's talked about there being potential punch ups. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that those are reasons for us to ban that. That that isn't my main reason for suggesting an alternative. I just think it's not for me. Imagine if you turned up to a game. Okay, this is an extreme example, but there are there are five rons. Oh, well, you wouldn't pay money to see that. The, the other day in the the, the IPL. The, one of the bowlers tried it off the last ball, missed miss the stumps, and then tried to run him out sort of from five yards past the stumps in the other direction. And people were saying, well, this show, this proves that there is skill in the, the Ron's dismissal. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's, it's not that skillful. Look, I sometimes forget to put milk in my tea, and I don't pat myself on the back for adding it next time. You know, it's the, these things are not skillful. And so I, I, want, I want the essential drama of Batsby Bowler to be maintained. I don't think Amahami made this a creep. I don't think batters should be stealing ground. But hopefully this, this solves everything. Don't forget, you can buy the 2023 Wisdom Almanac for £57 or £80 for if you buy the hardback uh, edition. There's also a shortened ebook containing the best writing from the Almanac available at just £17.50. Lawrence, you were always wise and sage before your years. I um, don't know whether I'm delighted or sorry to say that uh, you're finally uh, getting some flecks of grey. Uh, to reflect uh, both your status and the many, many thousands of hours that go into uh, this job. How many editions now? I've done 12 now, and the years wow. are going by faster every year. It's frightening. <laughs> Congratulations. Many thanks for your time. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, man. Cheers, Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at round three of the county championship. But for now, from me and Harmy, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.